The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Rockin' Mortgage Classic. And joining me, let's break it all down. Sia Najad is here. Sia, welcome. Happy Monday. After a very unenthusiastic Sunday opening from me, I do want to make a comeback. I love Mondays. Pricing comes out, outright odds come out. Basically, all odds come out, or at least almost all of them. Mondays are officially sort of the best day for me now, which is super counterintuitive. We got to make some t-shirts. We got to figure that out. There's got to be some t-shirts involved here. Mondays are the best days. Greg Ducharme here. Greg, good to have you back. Hey, good to be back. I, by the way, am in agreement uh, with Sia. I think Mondays are great. Um, mm-hmm. While the the work week gets started in a way, for us, it kind of it, it doesn't necessarily make it, it doesn't necessarily start the week. We almost recap the last week on Monday and then start a new week. So uh, yeah, I, I'm a I'm a big Monday guy too. I think I'm a big. Wednesday guy. Really? Too stressful. Too stressful. Well, I mean, Wednesday in the golf world, like we've done our previews. There's there's anticipation. The tournament hasn't started yet. Your lineups aren't dead yet. Your bets aren't dead yet. Like Wednesday, it's nice. There's hope. There's hope. I love hope. (laughs) See, I I feel Monday is a hope day. Right, you it is the whole week, and that's what C is feeling today. It, it was a the opportunity for, um, you know, to to recuperate after a bad, a bad weekend. Right, C didn't have a very happy weekend. Well, I, I had a great weekend. It's just I had Keegan Bradley in all of my lineups. That was that was really it. I, I ended up kind of breaking even or coming really close to it. I just if Keegan had made the cut, I would have been in really good shape. Here's the last analogy I'll make though. Mondays to me are like when the NCAA tournament brackets come out. It's like you see all the brackets, you think you'll. Probably have things figured out. You got big money at the at the end of the rainbow, and that I feel like every Monday when pricing comes out, that's the mood I'm in. It's lineup day for Sia. Lineup day. Sia's a hundred lineups in already. All right, gentlemen, Rocket Mortgage Classic this week. Uh, Sia, we'll start with you on on this one here because uh, we only have two years worth of data. 2019, Nate Lashley comes out of nowhere, wins the golf tournament. 2020, Bryson DeChambeau, who I assume had to have been the favorite to win the golf tournament pretty significantly wins the golf tournament. So uh, now what, right? We're, we're trying to parse out two years worth of data, two pretty different types of winners. What are we using that information for this year? It's really difficult to come out with like a really hard stance on on what's going to work when you have two years of sample size, especially when those two years sort of produced different results in terms of what was really important. You know, I think approach was really important in 2019. Off the tee seemed really important in 2020. 
I don't have an answer to the strokes gain metrics that you definitely need to key on. I can tell you that, uh, you know, off the tee is going to be very important to me. I can tell you that approach standard is going to be important to me. I, I can tell you that I'll probably put a little bit more emphasis on putting this week than I would in, in a normal week. And I'm definitely looking for guys that can spike with the putter, for lack of a better way to say it, because that's I mean, I'm not saying this is a putting contest. It certainly is not just a putting contest. But if you can get hot with the putter and as we do this show, I'll, I'll tell you about some guys I've isolated that can certainly get hot with the putter and get really cold with the putter too. But unfortunately I don't have an answer to, Hey, this is how you attack this course, but ball striking is going to be really important off the tee is going to be really important. And I think putting is going to take on a significant role. 23 under par 25 under par are your winning scores. I'm going to share my screen real quick here and bring up the course and all the metrics from rickrungood.com. That's my site. It's everything you see. And I've zoomed it in. So maybe it'll be a little bit easier to view as well. Greg, it is a par 72. There is not much resistance out here for lack of a better term. We've seen these things turn into absolute uh, birdie fest in each of the last two years. So I think there's kind of this uh, logic train that we can go on that says if there's not much danger off the tee, maybe the guys who are really good off the tee don't have as much of an advantage because there's no danger lurking. So maybe this turns into a second shot in a putting contest. Do you follow that train of logic or would you like to be a conductor and send a train in a different direction? Mm. See, this is, mm-hmm. I, I feel one of the hardest events to um, handicap because there's not a very clear model. I, I think Tory Pines, for instance, offers a very clear model where you got to typically you see guys who drive it well have success, but short game is a really important aspect there. We see it time and time again with winners we have. They're all, they're all kind of great short game players. Um, you see that a lot on the West Coast. Um, you see a lot more ball striking success, um, accuracy, success in Florida. There are are trends in certain golf courses that seem to be followed every year. But this one, I mean, you look, just look at some, in 2019, Nate Lashley comes in. So, well, first of all, let me back up one second. Typically when I go to a course that's somewhat new and we don't really have a lot of data and there's not really a clear pathway for success. Um, I like to go to recent form guys that are playing Mm. really well or guys that make a lot of birdies, right? Guys that um, have strong birdie averages, however they get it done. But you look at, Look at the leaderboard in 2019. Nate Lashley didn't come in on great form. Doc Redman was basically brand new. Uh, that was yeah. kind of his coming out party. Wes Roach, um, I don't <laughs> remember him having a very good year leading into it. Rory Sabatini, Joaquin Neiman, Ted Potter Jr., Patrick Reed. So you got ball striker, short game guy, um, mini tour legend. Brant Snedeker, a putting superstar. Brian Stewart, Cameron Tringale, a really solid ball striker. JT Poston that year, I think, had a really nice iron play year. You got Victor Hovland, Hideki Matsuyama. You have just a complete mixed bag. What did you get in 2020? Well, kind of the same thing. Bryson DeChambeau and Matt Wolf. Okay, really long hitters. Uh, then Kevin Kisner and Ryan Armour. And then Adam Hadwin. And then Tyrrell Hat, not really long hitters. Danny Willett, Maverick McNeely, yeah. Troy Merritt, Webb Simpson. The, there, there's just such a mix. So it's hard for me to say it's going to turn into X or it's going to turn into Y. Um, and, and that's one of the things I think... It, that is why in a DFS on this Monday, um, that's the challenge that we are faced with today. 
Yeah, I, uh, I run the key stats model every single week. It's a regression model. It uses every stat on the PGA Tour. It looks back 12 years, compares it to finishing position, and it tells you what the most important ones were. Uh, well, we only have two years worth of data. So you see strokes gained total. You see strokes gained approach. You see strokes gained putting. But this is absolutely the smallest sample size that we could possibly have and probably not even worth following here. So let's jump over to the cheat sheet. See, we've got five golfers over $10,000 led by the man himself, the defending champion, Bryson DeChambeau at 11,400, Patrick Reed at 10,009, Webb Simpson at 10,6, Hideki at 10,4, and Will Zalatoris rounds us out at $10,000 even. How do you evaluate this range? So I'm probably going to surprise you because I'm going to name a couple of guys that I, I actually like this week that I didn't think I would like, mostly because they're not they're not bombers. So I do like Bryson. Let me just get that out of the way. I will have some lines with Bryson, but I'm not quite as in love with Bryson as I think the rest of the DFS population is going to be. Yes, he's a bomber. Yes, that will help him. You know, he's been pretty bad short range, you know, approach 75 to 100, 70, you know, 100 to 125. It's just not good. I mean, he compared to this field, even he's in like the, the 140s in the last 24 rounds, 75 to 100. And it doesn't get that much better in, in those shorter ranges, 100 to 150. So that scares me a bit. The, the guys that I like, Webb Simpson and Patrick Reed. And I, I really think if you look at their T to green numbers over, let's say, the last 24 rounds, they have been T to green monsters. By the way, you can go back. Webb Simpson, I believe in the last 20 tournaments, he's lost strokes T to green four times in the last 20 tournaments. That obviously dates back to 2020. And I know we haven't seen a lot. And I think that'll probably keep ownership down a little bit. He hasn't been that good when we've seen him lately. He's not a long hitter. But I do think he rates out really well here in Coming from a guy who seems like a shorter guy, if you look at him par five scoring wise over his last 24 rounds, he rates out fifth in this field. So make no mistake about it on the four par fives, Webb Simpson might eat those up just as well as a guy that is long like a Bryson DeChambeau or maybe even better. So I think Patrick Reed and uh, Webb Simpson from a ball striking standpoint and from a putting standpoint are going to be really good this week. If you want to look at the par by par scoring, Webb Simpson is third in par three scoring. He is sixth in par five scoring. He is 12th in par four scoring. Webb Simpson, very good at golf. That is the way that I read that. I too have been, I, I will probably warm on web even more as the week goes on. I'm starting to kind of convince myself in that direction. We haven't seen high ownership on him since he had to WD from the Wells Fargo championship. He was about 9% owned at the PGA. He was about 11% owned at the U S open. And with Bryson DeChambeau lurking in this range, I wonder how many people are going to eventually get to web Simpson at 10,600. So Greg, when you evaluate this range, uh, what comes out of it for you? So Webb Simpson last year was sixth in strokes gain approach the green and and it led to and he had a really nice putting year as well. Um, last year he was 13th strokes gain putting on the PGA Tour and it led to uh, he was first in birdie average and first in scoring average. That's pretty good. As you said, Rick, he's really good at golf. Well, this year <laughs> he, he slipped a little bit. He's now 58th strokes gain approach the green and 20th strokes gain putting and that has led to the massive declines in birdie average and 
and scoring average all the way down to 19th and 16th, respectively. <laughs> so while, yes, it's been a down year, it hasn't been um, a top two year in his career the way 2020 was. I still think Webb Simpson is a great play in this value. And you guys have outlined a couple of these, uh, a couple of these points. One, ownership a little bit down. He hasn't really played a whole lot. We talked about it last night. Hasn't played a real heavy schedule of late, partially due to the neck injury. But he has a big schedule upcoming. Um, and some big goals as well. When you look at where he sits in the Ryder Cup now, uh, 13th in that in those standings. So I think a motivated Webb Simpson, who's probably got six events remaining. Um, uh, my, if I try to predict his schedule, I, I would bet he plays six times from now um, until the BMW Championship, including the BMW Championship. And that is one is, of course, uh, Wyndham. But he'll have this. He'll have the Open Championship. He'll have Memphis, places he's played really well. But he really wants to get going. And it's time for Webb to kind of kick it into high gear. And I think this is a great opportunity. Came in tied eighth last year. Um, I I expect good things from Webb. So I I like Bryson a lot. Um, I like Webb a lot. And one thing on Bryson, while he hasn't been playing great, the last two weeks, he's had a chance on Sunday. So it's been poor. Sia mentioned some of those metrics um, in in the very proximities in the various um, distance ranges. But yeah. he was three shots off the lead last week, heading into Sunday at the Travelers. It didn't go his way, um, and and he had the lead through ten holes at the U.S. Open. So I still think Bryson is close. He may not be in peak form, um, but this could be a week where he where, where he really dominates. So I'm definitely going to be playing some Bryson. I'm definitely going to be playing some Webb. My guess is uh, 75% of my lineups will have both of those guys or, or one of those guys in, in either one. These are the ranges that Sia was referencing. Uh, Bryson from 50 to 75 yards, he's 206. 50 to 125, he's 109. 75 to 100, he's 204th. Also, his longest holeout is only 14 yards. How is that possible? He's not hold out from longer than 14 yards this season. He's won twice. He's due. <laughs> isn't that strange? I, mean, I know it's completely random. I know there's nothing to it, but isn't that weird that it's only been 14 yards? That's a chip in. Yeah, it's yeah. a chip in. It's a chip in. That's weird. These guys chip uh, in so much. Yeah, they really do. Um, the the one thing, Sia, that I want to th- consider with Bryson, and I want to well, I, I want to ask you if you consider this because there's there's kind of a game theory element to this a little bit where Bryson is a, a seven seven and a half to one to win this golf tournament. The next shortest golfer, Patrick Reed, most places about 14, 16 to one, something like that. So his odds would indicate that he is twice as likely to win the golf tournament as the next closest guy. Now, when DraftKings comes out with their pricing, they don't necessarily reflect that, right? They they do not usually make a big gap. Uh, you know, Bryson is not going to be 13,100 and Patrick Reed is not going to be 10,900. They try to keep it pretty tight, which I wonder if if you wanted to get Bryson exposure, the way to do it just kind of naturally ends up being here on DraftKings because the you, you're not paying that pre, that same premium as you are in the outright market. Does that make sense? It does. But my only pushback there is is I think that outright number is out there because of sports books anticipating some heavy wagering on a guy on a name like Bryson in a field like this. So I I think the true number is probably like 
I mean, the, the, what the number should be is like 10 to yeah. 1, 11 to 1, something like that. So I think they're just uh, mitigating their potential liability. Uh, yeah, the true the true number on any one of these golfers is uh, twice as long as whatever they're going to offer you. But that's a very valid point. Uh, sports books are certainly not trying to predict the outcome. They are trying to mitigate risk. Greg, the, you know, the rest of this lineup or the rest of this range, uh, Reed, Hideki, Zalatoris, I think I'm fine with Zalatoris being $10,000. He hasn't played particularly well in his last two starts, but um, two kind of sour starts uh, are the only two poor starts of his career. Like the guy's been phenomenal. And then Hideki, I try to figure out because you could make the case that if this turns into a second shot course, it's, it's Hideki bot. Uh, but also you could make the case that you might need to make 28, 30 birdies to win this golf tournament. And putting from 20, 25 feet for birdie on every single hole is not necessarily Hideki's strong suit. Yeah, it it gives me a little bit of concern. I mean, I I could see a world where Hideki's right there near the lead through 36 holes. Um, but I have a feeling that on the weekend here this week, you're going to have to kind of go crazy. And does Hideki have the go crazy on the weekend um, gear in him on a golf course like this? It's one thing to go crazy and shoot 66 at Augusta National. Uh, or something like that, where you get a couple of putts to fall, you hit a couple of par fives and two, you, you kind of chip away at some nice birdies. And I, I don't think you're going to be able to lean on short game and have the success that you are this week. Look at some of the places the Decky's won. Augusta National, um, definitely a more challenging golf course. Um, the Memorial, a more yeah. challenging golf course. Waste Management Phoenix Open. Um, I, I would say kind of a mid-range, right? You're in the mid-teens with your winners there typically. So not necessarily a complete birdie fest. Um, so I, I don't know. I look at Hideki and I definitely have some questions it, for where he's priced. He, I don't, I'm not comfortable with Hideki as my anchor this week. I would be comfortable if he was my second guy, because I, I think he's reliable and you could probably get, um, you know, it, um, you're, you're pretty solid to get a top 25 out of him. I just, I'm not sure he has a, the chance to win that a, a Bryson or a Webb or even a Patrick Reed has. Yeah, concerned is probably the word I would use. I mean, you're paying this price. You you might just need him to win the golf tournament. Um, Sia, I'll bounce this back to you for the final take here on the 10K range. You've got Zalatoris, you've got Reed and Hideki. We haven't talked too much about Reed or Zalatoris. Do you have a lean on either one of those guys? Yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned Reed when I was talking about Webb. I do want to clarify when I talked about Webb. I think I might have said par five scoring. Strokes gained par five is where Webb is fifth in the field in the last 24 rounds. But uh, with that said, I, I like Reed. I do like Hideki. So obviously the putter is a huge concern. And when, when I see yeah. like, it's not only that he's losing with the putter, some of these tournaments, it almost seems like he's in give up mode. I mean, there were yeah. a couple on that sheet where nine strokes putting at both, both the century tournament of champions and the Memorial, which is like <laughs> kind of staggering. I mean, we saw Patrick Rogers, I think just this last week lose, I think it was 7.64 strokes putting. And that's staggering it, just in its own right. But this is Hideki Matsuyama, like the, a guy who should be contending on a regular basis. And this is happening. I mean, I, I guess I can say, well, at the U.S. Open, he, he gained. But the, the, the thing about Hideki, if you do want to go on that island of, well, maybe he can get somewhat hot with the putter. Second on approach last 24 rounds. 22nd off the tee last 24 rounds. Like this guy is a ball striking machine, much like Webb Simpson and Patrick Reed have been. Uh, so I, I do like Hideki. Those are probably my three favorites. Webb Simpson, probably Hideki, and then Patrick Reed. 
and then I'll sprinkle in a, a little bit of Bryson if I can. But obviously, I'm I'm exhausting that elite range at that point. Yeah, inside the top five, uh, two guys from the 10K range. If you want to do strokes gained approach uh, in the last 24 rounds, Zal Torres also fits that criteria. But Greg, let's jump on down to the $9,000 range here. Uh, very small one. Joaquin Neiman, 9,800. Jason Kokrak, 95. Sung JM at 93. Bubba Watson, at 92, Matthew Wolf at 91, and Keegan Bradley at 9,000. The last three guys of this range have a lot of question marks, and that's that's half of this entire 9K range. So what do you see here? Well, one, I did like Bubba Watson's attitude after um, after that meltdown yesterday. Um, he kind of wants to be back in that situation, which I understand. Of course he does. But I still have my question marks. I'm, I'm not a huge Bubba guy this week. Um, but the top two guys are really intriguing to me. One, Joaquin Neiman um, is a, a great ball striker. That's what he's known for. But this year on the PGA Tour, he's 32nd in, in strokes game putting. Um, so I do think he's made some improvements in that area. Now, the last couple of starts have been kind of, they haven't really done anything for you. Uh, 36th at the Travelers, tied 31st at the U.S. Open. He missed the cut at the Memorial, 50th at the Charles Schwab. You got to go all the way back to early May at the Valspar, where his last top 10, you'll find him um, at, at tied 8th. So it's been a very consistent year for Joaquin Neiman. We haven't seen him pop yet. I mean, in 20 in 21 events, he's only missed one cut. So it's been, it's been very steady. And I would say a very impressive year, about half the time in the top 25. Um, But that being said, is he going to pop this week? Maybe, but I, I think he's a really, I think he's a really valuable asset to a team here. You probably can't play him if you have Bryson on your team, um, but I do think you can play him if you go with uh, a, a Webb or a Patrick Reed, and I think he'd be a really nice pair with those guys. The other guy at the top, Jason Kokrak, uh, I, I must point out. So if we're looking for guys that are great on approach, guys that are great with the flat stick, if you look at the last 24 rounds and you look at the top five guys in each one of those categories, there's only one name in both areas. It's Jason Kokrak. Sia already twice a winner this year, $9,500. I imagine he's going to be very popular. Do you think that is an accurate statement? I think it's a really accurate statement. And I think if you looked at his stats and his metrics and you didn't name him Jason Kokrak, you named him Jordan Spieth and he was 10,700, I think everybody would still be on him. So I think that's something to consider here. The Jason Kokrak name doesn't carry a lot of weight, but the the strokes gain metrics really do. I mean, off the tee last 24 rounds, he's sixth. On approach last 24 rounds, he's seventh. The proximities that I'm interested in, especially 150 in, he's not amazing, but he's he's very good. Uh, Birdies, he's a birdie maker. There's just the ball striking, number one. I mean, this guy is going to definitely be, the, I mean, famous last words, right? Keegan was the anchor to a lot of my teams last week. So, you know, take it for what it's worth. But what, what all, I'm, all I'm doing is looking at the metrics. And we know recently he actually took down a tournament. So can he close? Yes. Is the ball striking good? Yes. Can the putter get hot? Yes. There's no reason not to be on this guy. He's second on tour this year in strokes game putting. He's never been inside the top 100 before in his career. Yeah. He's made Here's, some look, real look strides. Look at this change rolling here. on it. He's gained a full stroke per round from last year to this year on the putting surfaces. I whatever he did, and I know people are like, he went to a 33-inch putter. Like that gate, like that gave him one stroke per round, which maybe helps him practice. Oh, 36. Sorry. I knew it was something. But like uh I want the secret putting magic that Kokrak figured out. I'd love to know. Yeah, I mean it's a huge change. If you pull up Rick. 
I hate to ask you to do this, but can you pull up his his holy grail right now? Because look at the strokes gained putting for Jason Kokrak. I mean, not only has he gained in nine of the nine out of the last ten tournaments, but some of these gains are gigantic. Look at that. Yeah. I mean, five point five one, four point one six, four point eight nine four. I mean, these these aren't slight gains. This guy is crushing it. And. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and it's a huge sample. I mean, at this point, it's a big sample size. You know, last week we were talking about guys that were, you know, had gained uh, like Cantley, for example, or, or a couple other guys. Maybe Aaron Wise was another where they had gained two or three tournaments in a row. And we're like, oh, this is a good trend up. Like this isn't a trend anymore. This seems like a constant. Yeah, he figured something out. So, you you know, just to highlight on how impressive this is, he is the 23rd longest hitter on the PGA Tour. If you think this is going to be a distance contest, he can hang yeah. with anybody. Check. You think this is going to be an approach to green contest? Well, he's 32nd in greens of regulation, and he's 60th um, approaching the green, which has got to be um, amongst the leaders in the field. So that's a big check putting yeah, we just highlighted that you check that box birdie average he's 12th on the pga tour this year um yet again another big check mark so i, I mean i don't see the i don't the only the only question is is he going to be too popular is he is it a contrarian play um to stay away from him because i mean metrics wise he checks every box yeah, if you go to the last 50 rounds, he's 20th in strokes gained approach. That was the one thing that he wasn't amazing at. So he's even better than that in his last 50. And if you go in the last 24, he's like a top five player. So it's seemingly full steam ahead for Jason Kokrak. The bottom of the range that I mentioned with a lot of question marks, Sia, Bubba Watson, who Greg kind of mentioned that I think Bubba said himself, I don't want to misquote him on this. I think he said he threw up all over himself. Is I believe the quote that he used. Is that <laughs> right, Greg? Yes, okay. He did. Um, and I'd Matthew, like to do it again next week. He said, <laughs> right. M- Matthew Wolf, who now since returning, we've got one really great start, one not so great start, and then Keegan Bradley, who I hate to tell you, the metrics still look good. He was an anchor for you last week. So the bottom of this nine K range has um, a lot more questions than it does answers. I am so bitter uh, that Keegan Bradley cost me potentially like thousands of dollars. I don't know if I can go back to him. The ball striking is there. The putting just, you know, just isn't. Uh, I, I don't I don't really know what to do with Keegan. I think it's a fair price with this tournament. I'll probably play a couple shares, but I'm certainly not, you know, going to be overweight on this guy at all. I think Matthew Wolf as a dart is interesting, but he's not going to make many of my lineups at all. Greg, between Wolf and Keegan Bradley, is this a range we're avoiding? Do we have any sense of like I was super optimistic from what I saw from Matthew Wolf at the US Open? Super discouraged to see him lose across the board last week. I don't know if he's just gonna be young and volatile or if this is a concern. Obviously, only two events since he's come back. Look, he's he is um basically to say it nicely, wildly inaccurate. And that's what ca- that's what leads to all this inconsistency. He's got great club head speed and great length, which gives him firepower. And occasionally, he can perform really well. Um, and at a place like Torrey Pines, there wasn't really very many trees out there. And if you hit it offline, you had to deal with rough. And he's got club head speed, so he can deal with that. He can hit wedges out of rough and get it around the green. And he's he is a pretty good putter. Um, he really is. Whether his statistics this year, they're not as good as they were last year, but um, you look at that putting stroke and it's it's quite good. So I like Matthew Wolf in that regard, um, but he is hitting 
like 47% of his fairways, 48, or he, he's hitting 48% last year or um, for this year. And last week he hit 47% of his fairways. So he's kind of right on par there where it's just a little bit too inaccurate. And then the other thing I look at, cause driving accuracy just doesn't tell you enough. So I like, I look at greens of regulation next. And if you combine those two, you can get a sense for is a player inaccurate where they're hitting it to places where they can't hit the green or are they um are they simply missing by a yard or two and they're just in the rough uh, because they hit it so far right mm-hmm. at, at that distance you're not expecting a guy to hit 65 percent of his fairways so it may not matter but he's hitting under 65 percent of his fairways for the year and he hit like 63 percent last week so um and that green's a regulation that is so yeah i i have a lot of um question marks with Matthew Wolf. There's a chance he could pop off, but it feels like, you know, it, it feels to me like um, putting eight grand on a playoff bet or uh, on, a, on a playoff for a tournament, right? It, it just feels like, I don't know. It, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of logic to me. No, that was a smart, bet. no smart money, I know, as, I know. as they say. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, gentlemen, we've got to find some value in this field. I mean, that uh, the, it's kind of surprising. There's only, what, 10 or 12 names between the 10K range and the 9K range. We have everybody else that we need to talk about. 8K, 7K, 6K. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there, and I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now, here's what you can do for four our listeners. Uh, First-time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. And we're back. The $8,000 range. If you thought there were questions in the 9K range, there are questions in the 8K range. I won't read them all, but it starts with Jason Day, Charlie Hoffman, and Ricky Fowler. It ends with Cameron Tregale, Phil Mickelson, and Siwoo Kim. Sia, we'll start with you. Wow. Uh, There are, I, I mean, I could go individually here and raise concerns about every single one of these golfers, but is there anybody that you see that might, uh, outweigh some of the concerns? 
Yeah, I, there's a few guys I, I kind of like in this 8K range. I, I think I'm going to be doing a lot of skipping of both the 9 and 8K range. That doesn't mean I'm not going to play anybody, but I think I'm going to be doing a lot of builds with 9 and 10K guys and then just trying to fit in some 7K guys and maybe a sprinkle in some 6K guys. But with that said, I think Gary Woodland is interesting. Uh, I think he's yeah. a good course fit. He he actually rates out, again, my, my model, the one I'm looking at now at least, uh, that, that I tend to lean on his last 24 rounds. He rates out really well. I mean, across the board, off the tee, approach he's top 25 in both of those um i do think he's a good course fit like i said a, a couple other guys i like charlie hoffman now i know just last week i said we might be catching charlie hoffman kind of on the way down that i don't think he can keep this ball striking up but uh, you know the the ball striking's there so i mean i, I don't think i'm going to have a lot of shares of him but i do like him i think the price is fair at 8800 he rates out great i mean on approach the guy's third, last 24 rounds off the tee. He's inside the top 25 again, and the, the putter can work for him. The only other guy I'm even going to mention is Emiliano Grillo, another guy who missed the cut last week, I believe, if memory serves correctly. Yeah, he did yeah. miss the cut last week. Um, he's a popular guy, good ball striker. I mean, he he's his putter isn't awful, whereas it used to be. So I think he could potentially spike with the putter, and that would be great value at his price tag. <laughs> The miscut from Grillo last week wasn't the worst thing in the world. I think he shot a 74 on Thursday and then a 65. Don't quote me on that, but he missed the cut by a shot on Friday. I like to see a guy who didn't just pack it in. He at least came out and tried to fire something low on Friday. I kind of agree with you, Sia, here that, that Gary Woodland is starting to be a bit more reminiscent of uh, you know 2019 Gary, which is be good off the tee be good on approach and see if the putter works for you. Obviously he's dealt with a lot of injuries over the last year, trying to get back to that phase. I think the metrics show he's starting to head in that direction. So Greg, let's throw this over to you for the 8k range. Plenty of names here, plenty, plenty of guys to consider what has caught your attention. I got three names for you. Uh, Charlie Hoffman, Kevin Kisner is a question mark. I'll get to that. And Cameron Tringale. So I think okay. I think Tringale and Hoffman are my two favorites. Um, I'll start with Charlie Hoffman. Casilla already mentioned him. Um, he's playing now his third week in a row. He played U.S. Open, played Travelers, now playing here. Uh, tied 30th last week, tied 57th at the U.S. Open. My hope is that that kind of cools off the, uh, the chalkiness of the Charlie Hoffman pick because he's been great all year long. It just continues and continues and continues continues and i think the performances on the last two weeks i i don't believe we're catching him on the way down I yeah really on think that he's still legit on that point he was about 14 percent owns at the u.s open he was about 13 percent at the travelers you expect the field's weaker this week but i i agree with you he's probably not gonna be 25 percent owned or anything crazy like yeah. that sorry i mean ahead, maybe Greg. maybe people are like a little um a little sick of charlie hoffman like they've been <laughs> playing him too much i know i've gone back to i i've played him the last three weeks and he it was okay at the u.s open because i had some good uh a good supporting cast around him Last week, didn't uh, I had a couple of missed cuts around him, so that didn't really help. And um, I, I, Kevin Streelman was my Keegan Bradley last week. Um, so we're in, we're in a very similar place. But anyway, um, this week, I think Charlie Hoffman could really contend. I think he's ready to. I think he's legitimately one of the best players on the PGA Tour this year. And I think... 
um, that this is a great price for him. So I'm going to give him a, uh, another shot here this week. Um, and, and I think I expect to see some really good things. So let me get over to Cameron Tringale. Um, this is a guy who missed the cut last week, 71 68, um, which again, not really a problem tied 26 at the Memorial 32nd at the Charles Schwab. And, and he does things really nice. He's an, a nice approach player, a nice putter and a nice birdie maker 44th for the year strokes gain approach. 25th strokes game putting and 18th in birdie average. This is not something you expect from Cameron Tringale. So again, I, I, um, I, I like what I see out of Cameron Tringale. I think he could be an interesting play. Now, Kevin Kisner, lastly, is the guy um, who you're kind of taking a flyer on, right? It's the 63 is last week. What did he shoot? 263 is last week. And, and last year, he also had a pretty nice performance here. Um, which, what did I say? Tied third. Um, I solo, solo third, I think solo third, solo third last year. So, I mean, is this a a place that he likes? Is this a lightning in a bottle kind of a thing? I I think there's a reasonable, um, there's a good reason to kind of take that chance, take a hot player, uh, roll with Kevin Kisner. The question is, do you think he's going to be popular? Is he going to soak up a lot of the, and let's say there's Charlie Hoffman fatigue. Is he going to soak up some of that fatigue? Because I, I could see an avenue where he gets a little bit more popular as Charlie Hoffman gets a little less popular. What do you think, Sia? He doesn't historically uh, get too high. I mean, the the most we've seen him recently was 9.2% at Congaree. That kind of makes sense. 10% at RBC Heritage. That kind of makes sense. But usually... I don't know, four to seven percent owned. Are people going to see the round on Sunday, kind of combine it with what he did last year and he's going to be popular? What do you think? I think he's going to be more popular than he normally is. I think maybe seven to eight percent is probably the range he might push, maybe nine percent. But I don't think it's going to be in the double digits. Fair enough. Um, that is All Kevin right. Kisner, 8,500. Trying to see if there's any other names here we need to chat on. I don't think so. I'm not particular as much as I would love to go back to Jason day. I don't think I can pay the $8,900 and he get, he did the vast majority of his gains last week via the putter. That would be a little bit concerning. So I think we're ready to jump down to the seven K range. Yeah. And I'll say, I agree with Cameron Tringale. I think you might be catching him at the right time. Yeah. You know what? Before we do that, I was going to, I didn't want to cut Greg off, but I was stunned to see, I had his uh, birdie or better number up here, 26th on tour in birdie or better percentage, which probably means in this field, he's top 10. That's surprising to me. I didn't, I, I would not have guessed that. And when the score, I mean, what did we see from Abraham answer last week? How valuable are birdies? Uh, obviously aces are valuable as well, but those are random. Like how mm-hmm. birdies are so valuable in DraftKings scoring. And when you have a guy like Tringale, who's just been piling them up, that's, it's impressive stuff. I was not, I was not, um, I was not suspecting that. He's getting, uh, he's climbing higher and higher on my board. Uh, the more you talk, Rick, so keep it up. <laughs> oh boy, here we go. Seven thousand dollar range, massive range, absolutely huge. Brendan Todd, Doc Redmond, Redmond finished runner up in twenty nineteen. He finished twenty first last year. It goes all the way down to Rafa Cabrera Bayo and Joel Damon, Doug Gim, Bryce Garnett. Who Bryce Garnett had himself a putting week last week. Gained 13.9 strokes with the putter. 
I just want to do this one more time. I'm pretty sure it was the third best putting week in my database, which goes back. Yeah, goes back to 2015. The only two better Kevin Nas win at the 2019 Shriners cured at Afi Barnrat finishing fifth at the AT&T Byron Nelson and Bryce Garnett finishing fifth last week. Scorching hot putter. See, I don't think we're going to play him this week. I had a, a head-to-head on Saturday, <laughs> Troy Merritt versus Bryce Garnett. And I, I had seen Bryce Garnett's ball striking numbers versus his putting numbers. And his putting numbers at that point were like, it was like seven, it was almost eight strokes putting. And the ball striking was pedestrian. And I was like, well, there's just no way he's going to keep up the putting. Well, I was clearly wrong about that because he beat Troy Merritt by a stroke on Saturday. But anyway, yeah, I've got, I've, Garnett's not on my radar. But but I will tell you, there, there are a couple guys that are of Bryce Garnett's ilk, you know, the, the shorter hitters that tend to be accurate, maybe not so much lately, but Chris Kirk, Brandon Todd, uh, I do want to mention Hank Leviota because I played him last week and he paid off, yes. but, but let me start with Brandon Todd. Uh, you know, we, we know Brandon Todd to be just like classically good ball striker. It's been a little shaky this year, but just last week, let's see, he gained almost six strokes tee to green. Uh, he he kind of lost some strokes with his putter, but we know the putter can get very hot with him. So I do like Brandon Todd. I, I think he might be turning it around. And Chris Kirk at 7,400. Uh, first of all, he was 21st here in 2020, which isn't bad. I just think... Kirk, we haven't seen the Chris Kirk that we think we know, and I think this is probably a good time to grab him. I understand he's a shorter hitter, and it might not be the best course for him, but I do think Chris Kirk at this price has some value. The only thing about Hank Leviota that I'll mention, I I played him a lot last week, but the thing is he did gain a ton with the putter, so that's just kind of like a small watch out for him. The ball striking wasn't what I expected it to be. Now, will it rebound this week? I actually kind of think it will, but I do want to just point out, I think he gained, I'm looking at it now, of course, on rickrungood.com. Uh, 5.83 strokes gained putting is right. significant uh, and is not going to happen again. But alternatively, the, the, the ball striking numbers I expect to rebound because if you look in his last three, four tournaments, you know he pops with the ball striking for sure. The thing about Lebiota and uh, yes, tip of the cap to you, Sia, you were certainly on him last week and he is now the new Vincent Whaley, right? Like the, the cheaper guys, not at the same price level, but five consecutive cuts. Three of them are top 18 finishes. The most recent was a fifth place finish. I too am concerned about the putter, but I would argue you kind of need it here a little mm-hmm. bit. So I'm not as worried as I would normally be if we were going somewhere else. So I, I think there's maybe at least one more go around for, for Hank Lebiota before, before we start cutting ties, before he starts getting too expensive or too popular. So I think we got one more, one more crack at the Lebiota trade. The rest of the seven K range. Uh, Greg, by the way, I, I'm, I'm so with you on, on uh, hammer and Hank. I, I think yes. you, you ride that train. Yes, let's go Back to the well. I've been saying if I could create a golf course for Cam Davis, it would probably look a lot like Detroit Golf Club. You're shaking your head, Greg. What do you think? Yeah, well, I, again, I had uh, three guys on my list here for this range again. And Lebiota was one. Lebiota, uh, Hammer and Hank, we'll say. Cam Davis was one. Um and the last we can get to a little bit later. But yeah, Cam Davis, um, Rick, I, I completely agree. Completely agree. Bomber off the tee. 16th in driving distance, but 187th in accuracy. Okay, well, that gets mitigated a little bit here because there's not much trouble. You look at approach, he's 63rd on tour, so that makes him about 22nd in this field. He makes enough birdies. We saw him contend a little bit at the end of last year. He is someone that is certainly on my radar. Um, Who was the other guy in the 7K range for you, Greg? I wanted to ask you about... 
Who did you just I'm, mention? I may be, I didn't mention his name. Um, he may be kind of running on, it, it may be a, a Hammer and Hank situation where you're wondering if, if it's gone too yeah. far, like if this is the end of the stop, but I don't know if it is. Um, it's Ches Reevy. I, I think okay. Ches Reevy is kind of an interesting play here. Um, 25th last week at the Travelers. He was 14th at the Palmetto Championship, and that was on the heels of him qualifying for the U.S. Open. He ends up coming in tied 40th for the U.S. Open, but I think he's getting, uh, he, he's starting to feel a little bit hotter. So I, I really like him in that essence. Um, he's a very accurate player who can get hot and make a lot of birdies when he needs to. Um, but he, but he's a really good iron player as well. And I think he can give himself a lot of looks, avoid making bogeys and just kind of chip his way up the leaderboard. And I, I think Ches Reeves in really good form right now. and could be a, an interesting play. He's gained strokes on approach in three consecutive events and pretty significantly he has gained strokes yeah. off the tee in five straight most of those are near zero but that's okay if you're gaining as much as you are on approach like Ches Reeve has pretty interesting call there he he would have flown under the radar for me Greg so thank mm-hmm. you very yeah much. well he doesn't stand out as a big birdie maker but I, I kind of yeah. get a sense that he could be one of those guys that sneaks up in this leaderboard that doesn't fit what you like Cam Davis uh, he fits the model of hey Detroit Country Club this is exactly where Cam Davis should be playing. Ches Reeve may not feel that way, but sometimes these guys just go crazy. They make a ton of birdies on a golf course like this because it, it it doesn't challenge their distance um, and, and like like many of the other courses they play. And just to add to that, he's a, he's a pretty sneaky play because I think Sepp Straka, Alex Noren, and some of those other guys that are right there, your Kyle Stanleys of the world, are going to be somewhat popular, at least more popular than Ches Reeve. So I think he's an interesting control. I mean, I think, you know, people know him. Some people will be on him. But compared to those other three, I don't think I don't think people think he has the upside that those other three I mentioned have. And therefore, I think he's a really sneaky play. See, while I have you, anybody else in the 7K range you want to touch on before I bop us on down to the 6K? Not really. I was actually just going to mention the guys I just talked about, Sepp Straka and Alex Norman, okay. but not because I like them, because I, I think those are going to be somewhat popular plays in this 7K range. And honestly, yeah. they're, I mean, especially Straka, if you look at his, his two finishes here, 8th and 11th, but if you look at his strokes gain metrics, uh, last 24 rounds, I mean, they're not they're awful. I mean, it's just not good. I, I don't think the ball striking is there at all. And Alex Noren, it's interesting because he really pops at some tournaments, but he's lost seven out of the last nine. He's lost on approach. So mm-hmm. I mean, I just I just don't see it with Alex Noren. It almost reminds me of like a poor man's Cam Smith, where you're like, how is Cam Smith doing this? I, I like I don't understand. The numbers don't match up, but there he is on the leaderboard, you know, on Sunday morning. I, I feel the same about Alex Noren in a way. Yeah, Noren's been leaning on the short game, but he's been he's been there with results. This is what Sia is mentioning. So <laughs> Straka gains five strokes on approach. Golf is weird. Last week, the Travelers Championship finishes 10th after losing a ton of strokes and losing in each of his last eight starts on approach. So we might have gotten the outlier last week, and maybe uh, you know, the eight previous starts is much closer to what Sep Straka really is. The six thousand dollar range here. Greg, I believe is very ugly. We do not have a Vincent Whaley. We do not have a Satoshi Kadaira. We do not have a guy who is seemingly five or six or $700 mispriced unless I've missed someone. Have you, please tell me you have found that guy. Well, just real quick before, before Greg answers, Kadaira is in the six K range. I know, but I I feel as if, you know, what was he? 60. 
I think 68 to five last week. Um, I, I just didn't. I, I think he's more fairly priced this week. I'm, I'm looking mm-hmm. for a guy who's so mispriced. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think it's here. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't see. I don't see him. Um, now a couple guys that are interesting. Um, I, I think Patrick Rogers is kind of interesting. Again, he's I'm, the, I'm not. He's in the love one. With him. Yeah, he's the one I again. Yeah, not not starred, circled, Greg Patrick right, Rogers. Right, circled with pencil. Now, <laughs> right. here's the thing: in his in his opening rounds in his last three tournaments, he shot 67, 70, and sixty five. I believe now he's had some tough performances later on on the weekend. But when you get up near the leaderboard, it can be it, it presents a different challenge. It, it presents a challenge beyond your form where you got to overcome all the mental hurdles and you got to. Um, and so it can really it can really affect your performance when you get into contention. So um, what does that mean? Well, my hope is that he learned something from it. And I also think it's going to be very important to start well this week. So what does he do as a player? He's kind of that um, that long hitter who can putt pretty well, although it hasn't been great this year. Earlier in the year, it was a little bit better. Um, but he, he's lo- he's got a lot of power. He's long, and he's put together some nice rounds. So I think his form may be better than, uh, than the results that we've seen in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> The thing that's interesting, and and I agree with you. He will. The reason I I kind of was like, oh, Patrick Rogers is whatever. The combination of power and putting is very very rare on the PGA Tour. You know, Bryson has it. In no way am I trying to compare Patrick Rogers to Bryson DeChambeau. Please do not tweet at me. But it's it's a rare combination of skills. And while the putter has not been as good, there's just been a couple of starts that have really kind of buried those numbers. I mean, he lost seven point six strokes putting last week at the Travelers Championship. That's going to hurt your numbers. He lost three at the Palmetto, three at Byron Nelson. He's gained three. He's gained six in that stretch. I mean, I, I don't. I think it's kind of masking uh, how poor, you know, those numbers are not as bad as, as they might appear. So uh, again, he's 60, what, 900, 800. Uh, you are not yeah. getting a ton of safety in this range, but I think it's at least worth a second look. Yeah. And and those big numbers that you're referring to, Rick, I, I believe that's more than um, real ability or technique. I don't think that's a sign that he's a bad putter. I think that's a sign that he had a bad day because he's in contention. He, he gets near the lead and uh, he's not ready for it, not ready to handle it. And that may be the next step for him. And my hope is, and I, I think at some point you're going to see him start to contend. So yeah, I, I'd put him on my list. All right, see you in the $6,000 range. K- Kadira is here. And as much as I loved Kadira, had a ton of exposure to Kadira last week, I certainly didn't ex- think he was going to go wire to wire. A 36th place finish, that's fine for the price that we got. Now four consecutive cuts made. I just, I'm just concerned that like, I mean, this course could not be any more different than TPC River Highlands, you know, Detroit Golf Club. This, this does not feel like a Kadira track. It doesn't, and it feels like we're chasing a little bit. But what we do have to remember, the ball striking's been there, not just for the last couple tournaments. I believe it's been about four tournaments in a row where Kadira's been quite good. So I trust we're pulling that up now. And I, I, do are. I love it? At, do I love it at sixty eight hundred? No, not really. But like, like we're looking at it now. I mean, obviously, last week wasn't so great in the ball striking department, especially down the stretch. But Rick, we see it here. That's two, four, six tournaments in a row where he gained ball striking, and the putter, by the way, gaining yeah. four or more in the last four tournaments. So at 6,800, we know we're taking a chance. 
whatever Kokrak found, I also want to know what Kadira found, who was just bleeding strokes with the putter. Imagine how good he's feeling to have gained quick mental math about 21 strokes on the greens in the last four starts. He's got to thinking he's got to be thinking he found a cheat code. Like whatever he did, I I want to try it. I got to know. Or not an arm lock because I've seen him putting, but like some secret. So here's a, here's a few other guys that I'll mention in the 6K yeah. range. So we, we went over Kadira. I'll, I'll give you three more. I think maybe Henrik Norlander has found something. I, I don't know that. It's it's still the 6K range. But if we look at – let's let's fast forward. Instead of 24 rounds, let's look at 12 rounds. He's rating out really well. He's, he's 38th off the tee. He's 17th on approach. You know, the, the proximities that, that I'm a little bit more interested this week are between 75 and 150. He rates out pretty well there. Uh, Opportunity. I mean, the strokes gained par five is in the top 10 in the last 12 rounds. So again, we're taking shots here at the 6K range. I think Norlander, we might be catching him. I mean, I think some people were on him last week, but barely any. So I think we're still catching him early. And I'll give you two more names. So is this is this Norlander up right now? This is Norlander right here. Oh, okay. So yeah, I mean, we can see the ball striking. That's three solid ball striking tournaments in a row. Like I said, last 12 rounds, yeah. the and putter's the going year, to be a problem. He's uh, he, he's 32nd approaching the green for the year too. And last yeah, year he, he was pretty good. Um, so I, I think that's kind of part of it. He was 39th last year. He, he's a really good iron player. The, the problem clearly is the short game and it's specifically the putter. So, I mean, if, if I'm, if I'm grading Norlander versus Kadira, I like, Kadira better because I just don't, I mean, the, the putting is going to be important here and Norlander just doesn't seem to have it. Uh, two more names. I'll yes. give you Adam, Adam Schenk, who, who, by the way, the last, the only two years here, he's finished 30th and 42nd. So yep. sometimes can be a good ball striker. So I like Adam Schenk there. And then I mentioned this guy a few times. He's starting to become like a bottom of the barrel sort of favorite of mine. Chris Baker at 6,300. Uh, he was 45th here last year. Uh, he's made a couple cuts in a row now, so his recent form is there. And uh, I, I, the proximities I'm worried about in terms of uh, – listen, I'm worried about all the proximities on, on approach, but those kind of shorter proximities, he's pretty good. So at 6,300, I think that's a good chance to take as well. We haven't seen Chris Baker since the U.S. Open. He finished 26th there, which is a phenomenal result for Chris Baker. He, he made the cut at the Palmetto Championship. I also had Adam Shank circled. There was a time where uh, Shank was the original Vincent Whaley, where in the fall he was just making every single cut. He was finding the weekend. Him and Michael Gligic, there's another name for you. We're starting to see those signs of Adam Shank again. So he was on my kind of shortish list in that mid-$6,000 range as well greg anybody else down here can i sell you oh boy i can't even make a sales pitch for some of these guys is there anybody that would interest you uh i may not be down as low as you'd like but i mean wh where are we with like a nate lashley or a, a nick taylor a couple of guys in here who have won on the pga tour um who may be ready for something to pop up again um you see a at a nick taylor 70 72 at the travelers uh and a missed cut but before that he made a couple cuts in a row maybe they're you know t um he was tied 44th at the uh, at the Palmetto, tied 26th at Wells Fargo. I mean, he might be ready to pop. That's such a guess. Um, and then and, and then Nate Lashley uh, has played a couple of nice rounds early in tournaments. Um, so maybe he can find magic again. I, I don't know. I mean, it again, it's hard to make a sales pitch. So my pitch yeah. with those guys is like maybe they maybe. 
maybe they do it again and they get a contention. <laughs> and if they play well, I, I think if, if you see those guys near the top of the leaderboard on Friday night, you have a little more faith in them that they can um, perform well over the weekend. They've been there. They've gone through it. They've won on the PGA tour. I, there could be some value uh, in, in those areas. But um, again, my guess is as good as yours. Yeah, it's really ugly. It is really ugly down here. I'm trying to find any semblance of life. Now, I mean, obviously, some of these guys are going to have to make the cut. <laughs> this, yeah, of course. And some of them are going to contend. This is where this is where that the challenge of this week really it, it really starts to stand out because it almost becomes, in a way, a guessing game down toward the bottom where you're going to see some people who play Bryson and Bryson has a has a nice week and they they pair that with a Chris Baker at 6,300 who contends all of a sudden. Now, he may yeah. be too good of an example because, um, one, he's a, a big, C is a big fan of him and C's guys <laughs> tend to do well. Um, but there may be some other guy here that we haven't mentioned who nearly wins and, and he's going to be paired with uh, a Bryson. So uh, my question to you guys is, do you take a guess at somebody down low and pair it with Bryson? Or do you try to find somebody who's a little bit more reliable where maybe you stay out of the six K range and you go with the way you try to get a six out of six. What, what do you, can you take a flyer down there with nothing to, to back it up? I mean, I, I wouldn't, I think if you're in the like 6,500 and I would say 6,800 and above range, I think you're in pretty good shape. But I think you, once you get below that, even with like a Chris Baker, for example, you're, you're definitely taking some chances that you don't need to take, particularly in the, like your single entries and your three max tournaments. I'll, I'll give it a couple names though, just real quick. Robbie Shelton has been playing pretty good golf lately. He's made four out of five cuts, you know, finishing positions aren't great, but he's 6,400. I think that's a name to consider. And I'll tell you, Scott Harrington pops sometimes and TPJ, Ted Potter Jr. has actually played this course pretty well. So if, again, if you're in a big tournament and you're, you're max entering it or you're putting 20 lineups in, I think you can consider some of those names in one or two of your lineups, but I think that's the extent of it. In terms of roster construction and see, I'll stay here with you because you've probably built more lineups this week already than Greg and I will build for the rest of the week. But uh, <laughs> I, the way that I kind of see this is I have a lot of questions about the nine K range, even though I like some of those guys. Uh, I really like Jason Kokrak. I, I might just play Bryson and five guys in the $7,000 range, right? I mean, Harold Varner, the third led the field in strokes gained approach last week. I could convince myself on him. I could convince myself on Lebiota and Davis at the bottom of the seven K range. I don't know what the exact number it leaves me. If I play Bryson and I have to play five guys in the sevens, but like, it, is that the way or, or should I ba balance doesn't seem that appealing to me because I don't think there's enough good guys to do a balanced approach. Yeah, I don't think balance appeals to me either. I think the 9K range for once is not something that's super attractive to me. The 8K range is not attractive to me. So you, you mentioned Bryson. I mean, I think, you know, you could do Coke Rack and, and a Webb Simpson, for example, a Coke Rack and a Reed or even Bryson, and then just go to that low 7K range and, and just do your gambling there. Because the reality is the, the low 7K range and the high 7K range, there's not that much difference. You could, you could jumble that up and it would probably look the same if the names were swapped around a little bit. I mean, we were just talking about your, your Sep Strakas, for example, at the upper 7k range versus you know your chris kirks who are in the low 7k range or your kyle stanley's for example i don't think there's much difference obviously course fit is is something that to evaluate but i don't think there's much difference in those golfers so i think from a roster construction standpoint 
I think stars and scrubs, if you will, is probably the play this week. Bryson and Kokrak. If you start with those two, Greg, you're left with 7275. So about 7300 for your final four spots. You could kind of get freaky with that. I wouldn't I would not see that much issue with that. Or even if you go if you go web Kokrak, you can do and you can do about 7,500 in each one of your spots. Yeah. I, I mean, there's a, there's some merit to that. I, I think the 7K range is big enough and interesting enough. You got Hammer and Hank down there. You got Cam Davis down there in the low 7,000s. Uh, maybe a Sebastian Munoz is somebody you're interested in down there as well. I, I do think there are some quality options in that low um, $7,000 range where uh, where you could make that work. Um, got like cut. You're looking. Are you are you looking for cut makers when you do that? When you're in the when you're heavy 70. 7,000 that stars and scrub style is it's more than just price, right? I mean, there's got to be a strategy within that. Some guys are, are priced where they are because of volatility and win equity and mm-hmm. things like that. Other guys are because of consistency. Do you guys have a lean on one way or the other there? Well, I think there's plenty of top 10 equity with a lot of those guys or top five equity, even with a lot of those guys in the low 7K range. Uh, Let's not forget what this tournament is and what this field is. I mean, just last week, we had guys like Kramer Hickok, for example, and there's plenty of examples like Kramer who were sort of hovering around the top 10. So I think we can sort of expect a lot of elite players in the top 10 and a lot of guys that we don't really normally see near the top 10 on Sunday. So I, I think there's plenty of you know, DraftKing heavy points like your Hank Leviotas, for example, who who popped last week. I think there's plenty of that in the low 7K range. Yeah, just to kind of put this field into perspective, uh, because it is it is rather weak. The if you just take the last 24 rounds and go strokes gain total, Troy Merritt's in the top 10. He's 7,100. And Alex Norin is 11th. He's 7,600. Lucas Glover is 12th. So I mean, there are. Uh, Pat Perez, 7,500. He's 16th. I mean, they're really, it it really is a weak field. So, so Greg, I I think kind of tricking your brain to recalibrate that Hank Lebiota is a top 20 player that uh, Pat Perez might be a top 20 player in this field is, is kind of an interesting thought exercise. I'm tricked. (laughs) Tricked. I fooled you because, because that's the one thing that we always hear, right? Is like, Oh, well, Pat Perez or, you know, who's a good example this week. Uh, Charlie Hoffman's 8,800. I don't want to pay that. I just paid 7,500 for him last week. I don't want to do that. That's it's, it's different. Different. When, I mean, when the second relative, when the second guy is Patrick Reed and no offense to Patrick Reed, I like him this week, but when he's the second priced guy, you know, this is like a different type of tournament. It's a different type of that's that should be their that should be their tagline. Rocket Mortgage Classic. It's a different type of tournament. <laughs> that's not that's not bad. It's not bad, right? Like okay, it's not bad. That, it doesn't have a they, negative connotation. Not if you say it's it like not that. negative. You have to say yeah. it, you have to say it, you have to say it like it's a different kind of tournament. Not like right. <sighs> this is this is a different kind of tournament. Different kind of tournament. You have to just say it right. Uh, all right, boys. That was fun. I think uh, that'll do it for this week's DFS preview for this week's Rocket Mortgage Classic. Of course, full Megapod preview on Tuesday, round-by-round recaps after each and every round. But for now, let me thank producer Jacob. Does all the hard work behind the scenes. That right there, that's Sia Najad. You can find him on Twitter at Sia Najad. That's Greg Ducharme, who you can find at The Real GFD. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut, and we'll catch you next time.
Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.